Mark. Hello, buddy. <laughs> hey, Mark. I love uh, your name, man. It's it's a great name, dude. It's a really good name. I gotta. Say, you probably have the nicest name out of uh, really everyone I've talked well. to today. Yeah, it's well. not it's not well, um, <laughs> dude. So we've actually talked plenty before. Um, so it's really good that we're actually like having a video call and it's an interview because you landed a placement, um, which I'm I'm stoked about, which is awesome. Um, so I want to kind of you know, get into your backstory, um, you know, just everything that you've done in music and also your, you know, you have your own marketing firm and you're doing a bunch of shit. Uh, so, and you're killing it. So yeah. Uh, firstly, where are you? Uh, and yeah, we'll bring, we'll start bringing it back. So I live in the Seattle, Metro Seattle area. Um, just a little bit outside Seattle, but everyone in Seattle says they live in Seattle, no matter how far away they live in yeah. Seattle. So I well, live it's in like, Seattle. Yeah. It's like, it's like New York or LA. It's like, even if you live like two hours away, you just say you live in the city. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? In, yeah. Um, uh, which I actually don't think is fair, but, uh, cause I yeah. used to live in New York before I moved here. Oh, um, where, where, but, wait, where in New York? Uh, well, let's see. I first, um, when I finished college, I moved to New York and I lived in Astoria, Queens. Okay, cool. And then I moved into Manhattan and I lived in Manhattan for about seven, eight years. And then I met my wife and we moved out to Long Island. And nice. did the Long Island to Manhattan commute for a while. Oh, and very then, fun! Yeah, good times. Then I then I did get a job in Long Island, so I didn't have to do the commute anymore. And uh, and then uh, for a little bit of time, for just like half a minute, I was working in New Jersey, oh, which was a okay. nightmare. That yes, that was a from Long Island. Commute. Oh my god! Yeah, you, you oh, took an hour sucks. and a half on a good day. On a good day, it took an hour. Oh, that sucks. Arizona Bridge was twenty two dollars. Every day, every day. So actually, uh, funny story. I went into my boss one day and I said, you know, could I just work home one day a week? And I was like, Wednesday, <laughs> not even have to do a weekend, like Wednesday, just give me a break. Yeah. And he was like, oh, if we wanted to outsource marketing, we would, we would do it in China or some, you know, BS line like that. So I'm like, okay. Oh my and then, God. I, then, I, then I got another job in Seattle and that's what brought me to Seattle. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, cause so, you never, you never know everyone. It's kind of funny. Everyone at some point usually ends up leaving New York uh, because it's just, it, it's the best place in the worst place. New oh, York, yeah. in my opinion, absolute best city in the world to live in. If you can afford to live there and everything is convenient and you have like a good setup, yeah, it is absolutely the worst place in the world to live in if you can't afford to be there and everything's amazing. Which is, you know, 99% of the people there. Right, right. Um, well, my mom, my mom's originally from Far Rockaway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, um, I lived in Crown Heights, then I moved to Upper West Side and it's just like, it, it was so fucking expensive, man. What, what like, year did you live in on the Upper West Side? uh 2014 okay i was, I was okay long gone. i left okay upper west side in 2002 okay um yeah man it's seattle's 11 years so it's god it's, it's not my normal. my half was like 13 25 or something and that was a good deal and that just like as a drummer and like newcomer producer that was fucking terrible so yeah, yeah i had a uh, tiny tiny before before Corey and i were together Mm -hmm. I had, um, that's my wife. I had, um, a little studio. It was literally, mm -hmm. I mean, this room I'm in now was bigger than the studio and it, it was $900 on the upper West side. Dude, what? 1998, right? Wow. And then first place together was, uh, 2,400 and it was a one bedroom. Yep. Well, it's I also on the West side. Yeah, I moved down to Charlotte like right after and um in the middle of the city and keep in mind everyone in Charlotte's from New York. So they it's like <laughs> it, we we joke that we're the fifth borough. 
Uh, oh, you do. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, well, yeah. Well, honestly, let's be real. After Jersey, Florida, and Philly, it's Charlotte. But like, we'll just claim fifth for right, for simplicity. Uh, right, right. But um, yeah, I got obviously the the prices have gone way up since. But uh, when I first moved back here, um, I had a studio apartment in the middle of the city, five sixty. Wow, that was insane. I mean, the place was like, I mean, it was rough. It was rough, but it, it was mine and I loved it. You know, it was just like, it's like your shithole. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Sure. Anyway, yeah, so. Probably still that age where, you know, that was still fine for you. you <laughs> it was acceptable. It was expect. It, it, it's not that it was acceptable. It's that it was expected to live in a shithole at that age. You know what I'm saying? Where it's yeah. like, if I, if I lived somewhere nice, people would question it. Um, and so it's, <laughs> no you know what I'm saying? There's no credibility. It's like, oh, he mu- he's in music and he's in his early 20s. Uh, he must live in a shithole. And lo and behold, it was a shithole. Um, right, right, right. I was not lucky enough to, to, you know, get into that, but, uh, lived right, right. Um, anyway, so you moved, you ended up moving to Seattle. Yep. Um, now we're, because uh, in New York, um, just as a backstory to anyone listening, Mark has a fantastic marketing firm of his own. Um, actually when we first chatted, we really talked primarily about marketing. Um, and, um, yeah, but, um, you moved out to Seattle, um, for, for that job, but were you pursuing music back in New York as well? Or how, was it always kind of a thing like all alongside marketing? Tell, tell me about that and like balancing yeah. both of those. So the, the goal was to be a composer and have that be my living. Mm-hmm. And so when I finished, I did my master's degree at Cincinnati and I was classically trained. So nice. I thought to myself, well, where do I want to live? You know, and I had friends in New York. I didn't really know anybody in LA and, and I'd been to New York a couple of times and liked it. So I kind of felt like New York probably fit my style a bit more. Um, and, uh, so I moved to New York right after uh, school and, um, you know, I didn't know anybody. Um, had, like I said, I had a couple of friends, uh, who were into theater. So I, I, you know, kind of dug into theater a little bit. Um, I did kind of make a living for a while in sort of the, what I'd call the theater service industry, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, I was, a I was a union copyist working on cool. Broadway. Oh, nice. um, I did some uh, music assistant work for a conductor, direct music director, and um, got to music direct some small stuff and um, did some orchestration, things like that. But it was really hard. You know, it was a really hard way to make a buck. And like we just talked about, New York City is super expensive. Dude. And yeah. so what was happening was while this is like the early, you know, mid, mid to late 90s. And what was happening was when I didn't have a music gig, I was temping Mm -hmm. and you would get these temp jobs and sometimes they were really pretty cool and because of my creative background i i ended up at ad agencies a lot very cool okay kind of learned the advertising business by being there um and i was always a pretty good writer so i i kind of fell into copywriting and um and then at one point um sort of uh around the year 2000 um i saw i'd sort of stopped all the theater running around stuff and just tried to write and had a steady job it was a communications job and i would go to the the nine to five and i would you know if i'm being honest probably wrote you know half the time i was there and (laughs) it's like uh, have you seen office space (laughs) oh it's exactly that yeah yeah how many many hours would you say you do here what would you say (laughs) You yeah, do. probably uh, I clock I, in I, late, I so I, I use the photocop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right, and right. So, um, so you know, I, that was just the gig, and and it was totally fine. And um, 
And around, uh, I'd say this was like in that same period of time, there was a recording studio that I had worked at on the Upper West Side that was a great little space. And I said, hey, why don't we start a production library and, you know, become become like a um, either a production library or, you know, um, you know, uh, one of those houses, you know, production house where the people could, you know, advertising could go mm-hmm. um, and get music. And the funny thing about my weird sort of meandering through life was that I never really put together until much later that all of the media that I loved needed music all the time. Mm-hmm. And. And it wasn't until around 2008 when I figured that out. And then I think part of that also is, you know, the technology wasn't, you know, affordable or really where you need it to be to actually do it. So um, there were there were barriers. Um, that's why I went to the studio and said, hey, let's do one and I'll help you run it and I'll help you sell it. And they were into it at first. But then once they got into kind of the nitty gritty of what it actually took to do it, like the amount of output that you had to actually do you know, to make it viable, it, um, it kind of fell apart. And, um, mm-hmm. so I just kind of moved on then fast forward a number of years and I'm working in long Island. I'm living in long Island and I've got kids and I take my daughter to a birthday party. She's old enough where they can kind of drop off at this point. Yeah. And there's this guy I keep seeing at the, at the different, um, parties is his son, my daughter, like each other. They go to the same preschool, blah, blah, blah. One day he's like, do you want to hang around here? Or do you want to go next door and grab a beer? I'm like, what do you think? There's a game. Let's go. So right. we go next door and you know, I just know his name. That's all I really know. So mm-hmm. we sit down and start talking and it turns out he runs a music library, a pretty big one in, uh, in New York city. I'm a composer. Oh, that's amazing. Have you ever written any production music? And I said, yeah, I've been trying to. And one thing led to another he says, well, why don't you send me some stuff? So I sent him some stuff. He had mostly good things to say, but he also said, you know, here's what I think you could do to make it better. Um, mm-hmm. took his advice, kept sending him stuff, kept working with him. And finally he said, well, let's do an album. And that was 2008. Um, and I still get paid for stuff on that record. It's awesome today. I mean, it's crazy. I still see it on my statement. Yep. And I still work with them. I just finished, um, well, I was mentioning in our sort of pre-interview, you know, this year I did six albums for three different libraries and that library was one of them. Um, and, uh, it's been great. You know, I, I, I love doing it. Um, making more music than I ever made in my life. I think it's all better music than it's ever been. And, uh, I'm happy to be with that pitch, um, sending tracks into you guys. What I got, Uh, (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I haven't been, I haven't had enough time to really take advantage of it as much as I intended to, but I hang in because I know I'm eventually going to get, you know, you know, a couple of weeks where I don't have a project and I'm going to churn some stuff out and it'll land there for you. So that's, that's the thing. It's like the way that I kind of approach, you know, forget about the term production music or what, you know, commercial music, whatever. At the end of the day, every single track, whether it's for film whether it's for an artist project, whatever, people who put out a lot of music make money from it. It's not, it's, it, it, you don't have to have, you don't have to have a track that gets a million plays a month that makes you like what, three or four grand. You could have a hundred tracks that are doing like 10,000 plays per month or whatever. That's, that's like way easier to do, you know? And when people kind of just keep it all to themselves and they don't, they don't work with it, they don't work the catalog, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They're surprised when nothing is made. But at the end of the day, it's like, just make a lot of music. It, you don't have to just figure out what's right for you in, in you know, whatever time you have available. Um, 
You know, there's some people that are comfortable clocking in and writing 10 hours a day. That's never been me, to be honest with you. Like, mm -hmm. I would be lying telling anybody here that I'm a studio rat. I'm definitely not. Like, if you meet any of my friends here, I'm like the guy who's always at coffee shops, always going from place to place. I can't stay in one place. If I'm stuck in a studio all day, I'll lose it. Like one of my buddies, he was doing um, a documentary for our friend Loot. He's a rapper on Dreamville, um, J. Cole's label. And they were doing like a documentary thing for, I think it was like two hours at uh, Gat3, which is a big studio here. And he hit me up and he's like, hey man, do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I do. But I also have like this other stuff. I got going on, so, you know. But um, I'll, I'll hang out with Loot and you like another time. I fucking love you guys. But like, you know, I don't want to be in the studio all day. And I think when you're pursuing music in any capacity, we're trained, um, you know, maybe you feel the same, but I, I feel like we're expected to be studio rats. We're expected to give our all and give absolutely everything and sacrifice everything for a hit or whatever. And it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. It's just like, however it fits into your lifestyle, that's as much validation as you need. As long as you're happy with it. Yeah. Cool. That's it. You know? Yeah. I, I think. I, I don't know if I would so, say I'm a studio rat, but I definitely spend a fair amount of time in here. I mean, this this room is kind of you don't like, have a ponytail, dude. You don't. You're not a studio rat. No. Yeah. Um, those days. Studio rat. Gone. Studio rat is the. That's how they yeah. got the rat. Is because it was all the dudes in the studios <laughs> that had the the long tail. Those days are past. But uh, yeah. but I maybe again, you know, my my kids would probably hate it. But um, but uh, or maybe <laughs> cool. Who knows? Um, but I think that um, I think for me, like there, there is definitely a balance. You know, there's yeah. there's the stuff that I do that that pays. You know, the mortgage, and there's stuff that I do that you know is. I view the, the music that I'm making now as an investment, right? Because we know, absolutely, yeah. Like I said, you know, I have a record I did in 2008 that still pays, and the the problem with you know, this kind of, you know, music is mostly that it's a volume game, right? That you, mm -hmm. you have to have, you know, most people say a thousand tracks, you know, and I'm on my way, but I don't have nearly a thousand tracks yet. Well, just, it, you know, it all depends too, because I, I have friends that have massive catalogs that make them a lot of money. And there's, I have friends that have 10 or 20 tracks out that make them a lot of money. It really all depends. Ooh. Like, and again, I, I always kind of bring it back to real estate, right? Yeah. But you can either have, you know, 10 rental properties, right? Or you can have one commercial real estate investment. You right. know, they're they're going to make the same amount, but it just depends like how do you want to play the game? Like you could make and I you can make a lot of money from a couple of tracks, but do you feel confident um promoting and marketing these couple of tracks uh to that limit? Or would mm -hmm. it be easier for you to diversify, you know, if you're spending advertising dollars, right? Or PR or whatever. Um, let's just talk like Facebook ads or YouTube ads, right? Um, does it make sense to diversify uh, what you're spending your paid media on, right? On all of these different ads and seeing which ones hit and then, okay, we're going to put a little bit more into here, but we're still going to keep these other ones running because it all feeds together. Or... Yeah. Are we just going to spend all of this on this one ad and hopefully it hits, you know? So I, yeah. I the, the thing is, is that you advise that at, at Wilder too. I, we, we, no, would, we would advise you to diversify. Exactly. But, but, you know, got milk. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it does, it does. When you have something that just hits. Um, I mean, my first ad yeah. for that pitch, I mean, I ran one ad to one audience on Instagram 
for like a year and a half. And it did really, really well. Also, granted, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I was just like, you know, I you know, I ended up hiring a media buyer and like they're they're doing their thing now, which is great. But like, you know, it was really just about like, you know, this is what I could do at the time. So most people in, I guess, approaching the music from music industry from a more traditional route, it's like, we need a hit, we need a hit, we need a hit. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's, you need monetization from an asset. Now you can choose how you want to go about monetizing it. If you're going to outsource somebody managing that, or you're going to do it yourself, meaning am I going to sign it to a label or a licensing company? They're going to manage my, they're basically going to be my property management for my house, right? They're going to get their 20, 25%, whatever it is, uh, or 50% depends on the, the catalog. Um, or am I going to do it myself? So it's like the difference between signing up to DistroKid or a deal with, you know, Universal, right? Universal is going to take a cut, but it's they're going to manage they're going to manage that catalog, the the ideas at least that they're going to manage it and make sure that it's getting in, you know, getting streams, it's going to be put in a position to get licensed, you'll get publishing royalties because it's in their best interest. DistroKid Nobody's doing anything for you. You're all on your own, but you get 100%. So it's where, do you want to outsource or do you want to do it yourself? So that that's the thing, man. You can have a massive catalog or you could really push the shit out of, you know, a couple tracks. Um, it just, again, it's how do you want to play the game, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's what's so exciting about it is like once you kind of have a formula, you know, I don't know if you have friends who've like invested in real estate. I'm sure you do, you know? Um, Seattle's kind of a rough market, but like, you know, like... <laughs> It's so fucking expensive on the West Coast. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, it's like they they figure out... Again, I know I'm really going heavy in this metaphor, but like there's people who just kill, you know, single family. Like they, that's all they do. They Airbnb, single family or whatever. Um, there's some people who are, you know, understand a formula for commercial real estate. There's some people who understand a formula for vacation rentals. It's just, there's a lot of different ways to play it. But at the end of the day, it's four walls, a roof and a person stay, a person pays money to be in there. That's right, it. You right. know? So that's, that's the thing. You could also, you could flip the property or you can rent it out. You can also sell, you know, it's, it's just yeah, however you want to do it. I like it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm down with a good metaphor. I, I, I love a good metaphor. I think I, I think of it more, uh, or another way I think of it is more like stock. Right. So there's, yeah, absolutely. You, know, you, you, you got to diversify your stock. So like mm -hmm. styles that I make, I make orchestral music. I can make classical music and that's actually um, what landed. Yep. Um, but I can make rock music. I can make pop music. I can make yeah. indie music. Um, I love all those styles and I'm, I'm good at making them. So yeah. I'm not and, limited, uh, you know, and, but, but I wouldn't be the guy you'd come to for hip hop, although I could probably pull it off, but there are a lot of people who could pull it off a lot better than me. So I would probably say, you know, talk to four or five of my friends who do it better than I do. Right. And, you know, again, it kind of going back to playing the game of like just getting your tracks into many places as possible where it makes money, you know, People, I, I tell people all the time, if they ask me, should I only be on that pitch? I'm like, no, you should try everything you can and see what, what helps. Mm -hmm. Like that pitch is the, you know, for, for me, how I want to go about it, just like as a producer, this is the way that I would want it for myself is like, here's my music, you know, manage the catalog, get it into these places and pay me out a hundred percent and that's it, you know, but there's times in my career where, you know, I'm not going to wait for somebody to you know, land me something with so-and-so, I'll try to approach that person directly. However, it just might take a lot longer, you know? Right. 
So it just, right. they're both great. It's just like where, you know, sometimes it makes sense to like you getting in with uh, that catalog owner because you knew him one-on-one, -on -one, right? It was like, okay, cool. We can make this work. If you didn't know him and it was like a cold email, it could take longer. So it's oh, like- it probably never would have happened. I mean- Exactly. So that that's the thing. It's like, you know, it, I totally it, get it. I mean, I had to have the goods when, you know, it was time to deliver something. Yep. But um, the thing that, you know, was uh, also a cascading effect was once I once I said, oh, I work for these guys, then I could go to another library and they would yes. go, oh, that's a great library. Let, there, there your I stuff. mean, you, you probably heard this exact thing because I think it's a quote from Ogilvy. Um, I believe it's a quote from Ogilvy or maybe it's Eugene Schwartz. I mean, it's like one of like the great, but they, they said the best way to work with Coca-Cola is to say you're working with Pepsi. Right. You know, exactly. it's like, because they, you know, I mean, all of the licensing companies that are on contract with that pitch, I mean, I can tell you the first one was the, was absolutely the hardest to, um, you know, I, I was figuring out processes. There's a lot of legal stuff. I mean, imagine like all the tracks you've landed one-on-one. -on -one. I have to do that tens of thousands of times, you know, like, so it's, there's a lot of legal stuff that has to be automated. Right. And um, specific for each uh, company, depending on what country they're in. There's like a lot of stuff, you know? Um, oh, what you've and, done is, is, I'll be honest with you, I'm fascinated by it and I'm really impressed. I mean, it's, oh, it's stop really cool. It. <laughs> no, no, it's really cool. I, I, Thanks, bud. I tell people about that pitch. I mean, you know, I, um, I like to tell people about it and I, I say, you know, hey, this is, if you do instrumental music, this is a great yep. opportunity for you to get some stuff in. Um, and, and the Thanks, most man. important, most important thing about it is that you just, uh, rinse and repeat, right? You gotta like, That's it. Do it and do it and do it. Like the first one's not usually going to be very good. Like it'll just be right, okay. Right. But once you, I've noticed like, you know, when I, when you have to do an album for a library, you know, the, the first track usually gets you in the door. Yes. Now, just now, accept the first deal, you know, and then, and then you've got to at least match that quality. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and sometimes you exceed it. Now here's a little thing that I did. Maybe this will mm -hmm. be helpful to people. But when I started to do these albums for libraries, at the same time, I wanted to have songs that I could pitch directly for different uses, including uh, sync licensing. So I was, I was thinking to myself, well, what would be a great process for that? Cause you know, once you sign the 10 to a library there, you can't pitch them. I mean, you can, right. but it's really weird. And, and you, you'd never really do that, especially to a music supervisor. Um, so, um, cause there's a lot of, just to say a little more about that, because there's a lot of limitations. There, there's legal. They're yeah. able to do, right. Yeah. There's, as soon as they, just, as soon as they, they have like the, the, the network or, or the broadcaster or whatever, will have mm -hmm. a limitation. We're only allowed to work with these libraries because they have right. what? A blatant license with those libraries. So they're allowed to work with extreme or whoever. And that's, who they work with. So yeah. if you're pitching them a library track that's not with one of those groups, they can't even listen that, to that. Them. That's the thing. It's like everybody thinks that people are like just being assholes and like, oh, why? You know, they're just trying to like, you know, punch down on the artist. Like, no, there's just like a lot of legal stuff, unfortunately, for and international copyright law. You know? I mean, that's, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I mean, a, a big thing, the biggest reason why a lot of companies uh, require exclusivity over the track being their catalog really comes down to how YouTube operates um, mm. is because, you know, only one entity can sign off on a content ID copyright, uh, like a copyright infringement or um, whitelist a channel for that copyright. So really comes down to YouTube. YouTube doesn't care how many owners there is. They just need one person to say, yep, this is cool. So anyways, continue. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's good. So, yeah. so uh, what, um, what I was going to say is, so as I was sort of developing a process, 
I had all these co-writers. So what I did is I overwrote, right? So if I needed 10, I would write 12. I would write 15. I'd write, sometimes I'd write 20. And some of the ones that we would write, I would say, oh, you know what? This one's really good. Maybe I'll hold on to this one and I won't put it in the library. I'll, I'll develop right. that later, right? Then as I went a little, a little bit further into the production of it, I was like, oh, I've got the singer. I've got, you know, if I've got an instrumentalist, I've already booked them. Whatever I've got, I've got. And I'm in a process. So again, overwrite. Let's have 12. Mm -hmm. And then we, all, we have to give 10 to the library, but let's keep two for ourselves that we think, hey, these are really good. A couple of times um, I was doing it this way and the songs really just magically didn't really fit the style of the rest of the yeah. track. So it was easy. Hey, these two are really aggressive. Let's just hold on to these. And then what I would do is pitch those to sync agents or I would pitch them directly to, to opportunities that they came up. Um, and that up to now has been a pretty good way, but still all the output is still, you know, you know, the majority of the output, 80% of it is still with another publisher, right? Mm -hmm. so this year, I want to continue to do what I'm doing there, you know, as much as I can with those folks. And I want to continue to develop new stuff with artists who are, um, you know, who are people who want to be in the sync game um, and um, have more stuff to pitch directly. Um, yep. Because I think financially, the direct pitch is Makes probably, sense, yeah. you know, probably going to win. Um, and then when there's, you know, we, uh, what I love is you guys are like kind of giving us three week windows. So what I'll yep. try to do is I'll look at, at, you know, what you're looking at and go, oh, you need some rock tracks this week. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a rock track over to that pitch while I'm working on the Swagger Rock record that I have yeah. to do a publisher. So I've kind of incorporated you guys into the overwrite yeah. process. That's awesome. Um, to, to try to provide some stuff there. And the other thing too, I mean, it's very appealing to get paid up front um, mm -hmm. for a track and, um, and still keep the back end. You know, yep. that's, that's really... That's the magic for that pitch is the upfront payment. Uh, yeah, it's all me negotiating, dude. It's like, yeah. I mean, listen, some some companies, it does make a lot more sense for them to just do back end. Um, and, and I, you know, th but at the end of the day, it's like my entire job is like, I'm in a rare position as a producer myself. I mean, think of it like every music company is not run by, I mean, the majority are not run by someone who's like actively like producing and like on the no. ground floor too. No. So like, I'm in this really unique position where it's like, is that a deal I would take? And I, I got to say nine out of 10 of these deals I think are bullshit. And I, that, that doesn't get their way to that pitch. But um, there's certain companies where I'm just like, wow, like these are, they get it. Like this is really well positioned. Like they're, you know, they're especially like in the startup world, you know, in music right. licensing, there's certain companies that like are really well positioned, right? And it's like, okay, this is a, a really good investment long term. Um, and then there's some where I'm just like, I'm not really sure how this is gonna pan out for them. And it, even if I have like an inkling of like, I don't really know, I just it's just like I don't think this is gonna be the right move for us. So um, yeah, but you know, they have to like let me know in on their financials, like how their growth is going. Um, you know, because I want to make sure you guys are taken care of. Like if you're like basically if you're if you're giving a house to a property management company you want to make sure that you know if there's like a crazy person renting a room <laughs> that the property management is like get the fuck out of here <laughs> you know you, you don't want them just staying there and shitting up the walls you know so yeah, like that's yeah. or just abandoning the property you know right well that's the 
that's the the corollary probably most of is is just not taking care right so yeah you know, that's you, the 99 percent of the industry to be honest yeah, and like a lot of yeah. pro, you have a lot of intellectual property and the thing that's you know a little mystifying to me still is like well you know and i i you know i've done a little bit of study in this with editors mm -hmm. to like find out why they pick tracks like they literally will tell you if you ask them why'd you pick that track over that track but mm -hmm. most people don't really know editors um yep. and a lot of people don't really know even how to get access to editors right but what editors, yeah. a lot of times are the ones picking the music uh, yes that's the thing everyone thinks it's music supervisors or like a sync agent i'm like yeah but who are they talking to you know what i'm saying yeah. it's like yeah. always try to go one further step if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like if, I mean, you'd be really surprised, like the people that you think don't have a boss, they got a boss. And if you're in with the boss, then you're in with them too. Cause like, yeah. if, I mean, you know, this just like, you know, running your own agency, like the, finding the decision maker at a company, who mm -hmm. is the one who actually makes the decision here. And as long as you know that, don't even take the call until you know that you're talking to the person who can make the decision. And a yeah. lot of times it's like the person that you think is in charge, it's actually their boss. And if it, the boss makes the intro for you to that person, they already have the green light. Because anytime, especially with your when you're dealing with corporate, especially in like the music industry, where everything is based off of your vouch, your word, you know, opinions, it's all subjective, really. Right. You know, if you're talking to... um you know, somebody who is in this A&R position or whatever, and they fought tooth and nail to get there, you know, and, uh, you know, they're dealing directly with artists. They don't want to pitch something that's a bad idea to their head of music or whatever, because they don't want to risk having made a uh, introduction that might not make them look good. But if you hit up the head of music or the chief executive officer or whomever, and then they like it, well, they don't get in trouble if it doesn't work out, really. So they just like delegate it down. And then by the time you're on a call, you already have the approval. Now you're just dealing with details and logistics. Yes. Know? Yes. I mean, that's that's so. And I think the other thing that's interesting is I say this a lot. You know, any if you if you want to do this, like if you want to have your music used in media, you should be consuming media. A thousand it's, percent. It's really funny how few people actually, oh, well, I don't have time to watch television. Well, yeah. don't you want to have your music in television? Right, right. Well, then how do you know what music's being used? How do you know how they use it? How do you mm -hmm. know what the art actually is if you don't watch it? Yep. I, I don't just watch for enjoyment. Like I sit and go, how are they using this music? What is this music doing? Is this music heightening the emotion? How? Yep. You know, why, and, then, and then I ask myself, why did they pick it? You know, was it the lyric? Did they like, was there a certain lyric that they liked and it matched the, the emotion that they were trying to capture in the scene mm -hmm. and why, you know, and, you know, you can break that stuff down and you yep. can replicate it. Now, what's interesting is, so we started watching Yellowstone, which we're like way behind, <laughs> nice. right? Everybody else, <laughs> Yellowstone, what are you talking about? Right. I watched it for years. Um, but we started watching it and they have a lot of music in that show. And mm -hmm. I had kind of heard that, but I didn't really appreciate how much music is in the show. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, we know it's going to be a certain genre of music, but you know, they've got artists, but then they've just got tracks in there. And, yep. and a lot of times I sit and I listen really carefully to what the track is doing, um, to, again, to capture or to, to, to hold the, the, the place. And the thing I wanted to say was, a lot of music will work, right? Yes. There's a lot of music out there 
and a lot of it will work, but there's some reason they pick the music they pick. And if you can get to that and you can sort out why that track, because there were a hundred country tracks they could have put in that precise mm -hmm. moment with a male vocal that sounds like name an artist. Yeah. But they picked that one. And, and yes, it could be, yes, we have a blanket license. I mean, you could do all these things, but I try to spend my time on the art of it and say, you know, why, what was the emotion they were going for? What was the lyric? What was the thing? You know, and you cannot, you can't really ever know for sure, but if you spend enough time looking at it, I think you can dial it in. And, and then it's a, it's a matter, I think of, you know, kind of reverse engineering it. Yeah. Like now you make one, don't copy it, but you make one that does that. Yeah. Right? You make a song that does the same thing. That's not copying. Have, Do you, it um, way. have you watched All Quiet on the Western Front? Mm, you mean the original? What? No, no, no. The new one on Netflix. No, I haven't seen that. I that, didn't even know it was out. Dude, that soundtrack, that was like the first time in a while. You know, because again, like I do this for a living. <laughs> you know, like all I'm doing is like, you know, Thug Life chose me. I have no idea how I ended up just at like the at the center of like music licensing, serving the companies and the music makers. I have no idea how the fuck I ended up here. I am a fuckboy producer first and I somehow ended up here. Very grateful. That being said, you know, I got to say, it's rare when I watch a film at this point, I'm just like, holy shit. Like that was... So you're talking about the score good. or the sound? The score. The, I mean, just the, just watch the film. Dude. I mean, okay. like I was just absolutely fucking amazed. At, I'm gonna have to check it, that it, it, it kind of reminded me of... Um, I think the thing that was really cool about that film and we I actually want to break into the film industry in general right now of like how democratized it's gotten, but... and and um different and unpredictable it's gotten but mm. um what i found really interesting is it's it's a war movie you know but most war movies are like heroic they they shine a light and that's not the you know, story i read the book right right it's the whole thing is telling you no this is really fucked up it's actually it's a terror this is awful it's so they actually the whole thing is really uh you know it's filmed like a horror film yeah it's not filmed like a war film yeah. it's it's a thriller and the is music is it is it Nolan? Um, you know what? I think it might have been actually. Um, let me look this up. Let's Google it later, Mark. No, I'm right here, bro. I'm right <laughs> here, bro. Um, let's see. Oh no, it was a German film actually. Um, okay. but Volker Bertelmann was the uh was the composer. Okay. Um, absolutely unreal. I mean, I dude, I was like astounded. First time in a while where I was just like, this is like this is the real shit. So I would I would definitely uh, check that out, man. That was really good. Would you um, say it's highly graphic too? Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember but, the book being really like graphic. Oh yeah, no, like you just like see dead people, and yeah. it like looked. I mean, obviously, I have not seen that, but I would imagine that is how it looks. Um, yeah, it was just very realistic, and it was horrifying. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just it was really good, man. Definitely watch it. Uh, but. Cool thing is, though, is, you know, to even like stating that, like, oh, this was in Germany, you know, so mm. something that is really interesting. Um, and actually on the new that pitch platform, I'm going to have like more of a, um, a focus on is, um, you know, I think honestly, the, the film industry, the, you know, it's, it's very clear that the content creation industry, whether it be major motion film, independent film, YouTube creators, um, 
content creators, whatever. It's it's remote. Like there is no center anymore. You cannot argue that LA is the center of film because there is there are you know there's just so much film being made overseas now. Spain, you know, Netflix built I think like a huge uh, complex in Spain, and they're doing European films. And you know, it's well, with, in Vancouver, BC is where a lot of stuff right, is right. So it's like you know. Yeah, traditionally, right, LA is, you know, or New York would be like the center. But like, if you, I mean, if you really think about it, it's probably like a, I mean, I have, I obviously don't know percentages here, but if you're, if you're breaking in the, if you're including the creator economy and mm-hmm. Netflix and like the streaming wars, stuff like that, and then you include like major motion film, traditional sort of like Warner kind of stuff, right? right? I mean, I would imagine that they have a minority percentage of of the overall market at this point you know and it's it's only going to increase you know or it's only going to decrease look at amazon look what they're doing exactly yeah i mean the the thing is what's kind of crazy too um right what's crazy about this is amazon apple google i mean what i think is fascinating about their film uh department and music department for that matter is they don't have to be profitable on the film. Like they don't. Like Universal, if they're making a film, they they have to profit off of that film. But Amazon, if they invest in a film, they don't care if it makes money. They just care if you if you keep your Prime membership. <laughs> exactly. That's so. It's like they, their whole thing is like, okay, let's spend just enough money to keep people in the ecosystem where it's more of a pain in the ass for them to leave. That's it. Same thing with Apple, Google. It's like we're just going to give people so much value for this subscription. Or th- this product ecosystem well, that that's what's incredible too is is the you know the the amount of great content that's available right like you know it's it is they, people say it's the golden age and it absolutely is I mean how could it not mm-hmm. be I mean it's it, it's literally like you know I was I was joking around about being behind not watching uh, Yellowstone when it for well we had other things we were watching we we also really liked those things whatever they were right um and really the only thing I do live television is, is sports you know and, mm. and some news that's really it um yeah I don't my wife really likes you know like HDTV and stuff like that but we could easily stream that you know as right. we watch it live so you know it, it, it there is a lot of content and it all needs music so I just yep. feel like you know this is a great time to be doing this. The it really is. Software has never been more powerful. Um, the stuff that you can, you know, like, you know, Apple just comes out with a Mac Mini today and says, "Oh, here's an M2 Pro chip in it," and right. you know, whatever. And what's it going to cost? Like under a thousand dollars. I mean, it's just yeah. incredible. Um, well, yeah, there, there's we're in the first time in history where there are more buyers in the music licensing space than sellers. And I, I think that alone is just like a very telling sign that, holy shit, this is just like an exploding market. Like there's so much music to be licensed. There's constantly, I mean, if you think about it 10 years ago, there's probably like less than 10,000 people, you know, licensing music for ads and film really. Like, well, I wouldn't think there would, I wouldn't think it would have been yeah. more than a couple of thousand. That 10 right. Years. Right. I'm being very, you know, yeah. generous about this. Yeah. Now there's over a hundred million creators across right. all, like, come on, you know? So anyways, I showed you the new that pitch platform. That's why I'm really stoked about it. <laughs> it's just like, people's get ready. Cause it's going to yeah, be great. It's going to be cool. Um, yeah. anyways, well, listen, I want to, uh, listen to the track that you just landed. We'll talk about yeah. that. Um, and then I'll ask you a couple uh, closing questions that I think are uh, you would be you would have great insight on, my dude. Um, so let's, let's listen. 
now it's it's literally just like what would what would you do if you're pursuing music but we'll we'll, we'll get it. um don't do it no just kidding <laughs> so this one's called wedding processional catchy um, title boy hell yeah <laughs> all right here we go Love it. So, dude, how'd you approach that? How long did it take you? You know, yeah, everything, man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, because I mentioned I'm classically trained. So writing yeah. for strings is something that just is pretty natural at this point. Love those secondary dominants, dude. I felt it. Gotta have them, you know. <laughs> and, you know, and it's all in a box, right? So it's all, uh, that's all east-west and uh, contact strings. Sweet. Um, East West is great. I love East West. And, and, um, uh, it probably took, I don't know, I'd say probably a couple hours to like kind of cool. sketch out the orchestration and then maybe a couple more hours to, to play everything and, oh, you yeah. know, and then maybe another hour to mix it and another hour to master it. And it's so it's going to be the gift that keeps giving, uh, forever. So that's, that's fantastic, man. Well, well it's <laughs> funny because there's an Amazon ad right now that is actually using the, the piece that was referenced, which was of course, Pachelbel's oh. Canon and D. Yeah. And, you know, and so you can always get that, right? Because it's yep. a public domain piece. Um, but what's cool about this is, is that it is um, what I was thinking when I did it was, hey, this is, you know, it's in that world, but it's mm -hmm. original. So yeah. people are tired of the Canon and D, you know, it, right. it, it does the thing, but hey, you don't have to have it. So so that was it. And then um, let's see, what else would I, could I tell you about it? I, I 
this is something I think is important. Uh, it had been sitting there for a while. You know, mm. I mean, you guys did a, I think, spring, maybe April, May. Yeah. Doing a call for some wedding music. And I had honestly forgotten about it. <laughs> I, I literally had, I mean, yeah. I pitched and forget it, right? I, I, I had literally forgotten about it. And then you guys hit me up and I was like, which one? Yeah. I mean, the, the way that, I mean, j just some behind the scenes stuff, like um, on both this system and the, the, new, the new platform that's launching. So both on uh, that pitch 2.0, which is right now uh, as of January 2023, and that pitch 3.0, which will launch in a couple months. Um, we I, I built a pretty robust system that um, among all of our different clientele, depending on what they're looking for, um, you know, what's traditional in like the sync world is like there's an agent, they make a playlist, they try to pitch to somebody at the right time, blah, blah, blah. All of that auto populates by itself. So if a client, uh, if a company that we work with, you know, is looking for certain criteria, if we see that they're searching among a certain part of the catalog, it'll just auto populate um, a bunch of uh, tracks that we deem would be appropriate for that. And it's all automatically done. Like there's no person involved. There's no like, you know, we're trying to, um, you know, get on sales calls and stuff. It's just really efficient. It just shows up when it's supposed to show up. This is 3.0. Um, this is how it will be. No, that this is currently on the platform. Oh, this is two point. Yeah, so this this That's was really cool. yeah, but on the new platform, uh, it's additionally going to be there as well. Um, so, but yeah, man, it's just all it's always. That's the thing is like when I say you know everybody in the crew like hey like I'm going to continue to shop the material. It's not like I'm going to continue shopping it. Like oh, I'm going to add in a playlist manually. Like I don't want to do that shit. I don't want to wake up every morning and be like <laughs> oh, this is what they're looking for. No, I just want it done. You know. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's right. a system that was built you know this year or this past year. Um, and it just automatically kind of makes the rounds and shows to the right people at the right time. Um, that's very so yeah, cool. Man. Yeah, man. That's Cause I, I don't want, I don't want to I don't want your, you to get your shit just like lost in the catalogs. That's so standard in, right. in our industry is like, people just forget about your songs, which is bullshit. Every song is fucking awesome and invaluable and not every song, summer shit, but like, you know, most songs are like, you know, I, you, you can get a, there, there's, I mean, there was a record that I heard early on that like totally saved my life. And like, you know, everybody needs to hear certain songs and it, it just sucks how many songs just get put on the shelf. They're buried and nothing ever happens to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and I think that what, what appeals to me about that pitch is, you know, that, that with some focused um direction right yeah. and just saying hey one you know every month i'm gonna do two three five. i mean people you got people who are doing like 10 15 tracks a month for you mm -hmm. um i'd love to be in that spot i i yeah you know if it works out that i could do that many i will um, but just but just I, do I what's sure i do a certain yeah. number every month just do here's the thing man just do what's right for you like that mm -hmm. that's the thing is like never Especially in music, just like I think everyone always compares themselves of like, oh, this person's doing that. They're doing these many tracks or, you know, and, and you know, like kind of growing up in music, it's like, oh, they, they, you know, got this shiny plaque or whatever. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, just is it working for you? Is it adding value in your life? Is this, is this a good life design? You know, I would like the thing is, is that there's, there's, I have friends that, uh, can literally be in the studio all day, just making music all day. If I did, if I, if I had that life, I'd be fucking miserable and vice versa. If they had my lifestyle, they'd probably be fucking miserable. Oh, you know, but it's they just, yeah, yeah. It's just like, you know, and the thing is, man, especially you and, um, man, I'm really excited for you on the new platform because you already have all these editors and, you know, just like in your Rolodex, like, 
it's just oh my god dude you're gonna get some sales yeah. it's gonna be cool. that would be good that would be good um i you you were gonna ask me for my insight yes wait a second i was still no i'm kidding <laughs> yeah so um on that topic two questions before we okay. start wrapping um what advice would you give to anybody pursuing a career in music um sync namely but just music in general um and number two where can people find you online and there you go Oh, perfect. Uh, so just something I think about a career in music is it, it's not for the faint of heart. You have definitely got to have a thick skin. And I think the best thing I could say is you've got to have a great attitude. Um, don't take things personally. If somebody doesn't use your track, move on. It, you know, it, it, you got to, um, you got to not be precious about the things that you make. You make them, and you make them the best you can and you move on to the next thing because you can always make another song. You can always write another piece. Mm -hmm. I could write another wedding processional. I could write 10. You know, it, it. I can do it. And so can you, or at least you should be able to do it if you want to make a career in this and you want to yeah. be a creator, not a player, but as someone who creates the music, um, you've got to have the ability to create more than one thing. And what I see a lot of times is people get in their own way because they, they have they have an album. And they spent yep. 10 years making it. And, and that's like, I just got to find a home for that album. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's one way to go. But right. how, what have you done in the last 10 years? I mean, did you write any music in the last 10 years? Just because the up. other yeah. thing that happens, and we know this, is that the styles change and the recording processes change. And what's cool now is not what's going to be cool in two years or five years. So you've got to constantly stay ahead and on top of what is current now and what people want. That doesn't mean that record you make in the, you made in the 90s couldn't find a placement. It sure could because people are always looking for stuff from the 90s. But that 90s kid. But... <laughs> Hell but yeah, <laughs> You've got to stay current at the same time. Yeah. And, and I think you've got to, if you're a creator, create. I, that's a lot of advice, but it all comes down to one thing, which is have a great attitude and be easy to work with and, um, and, and, and create and create and create. Don't stop creating. Don't think, okay, I, now that's it. I've done my masterpiece. That's not this game. I, it might be some other game, but it's not this one. Yep. Um, uh, and then 100% agree. Find, what's that? 100% agree. Oh, cool. Um, and then, uh, where you can find me online is, uh, I have my website is wildermusicservices.com and the Instagram, uh, handle is also that at wildermusicservices. And, uh, I think that's pretty much all I do on social. And then of course my Facebook is just my name. So you could find me there. Awesome. Mark, amazing name, by the way. Um, this thank you best. so much. Dude, it's the best name, man. I don't know where you Anyways, uh, thanks so much, man, for, for chatting. Uh, love oh, this combo, dude. Good shit, man. I love this. Oh, it's awesome. Um, yeah. I always love talking to you. We could, we could probably go on for hours. So we could, we could chop it up. Yep. I'm going to stop re the recording and we'll, we'll, we'll talk some shit after. Love okay. <laughs> All right.